Hello and welcome everyone to Retro Hero Video. It's that special time of the month where Matt and I dig in to a fun show. We chat it up, we talk it out, we act as, you know, cultural anthropologists for a little bit. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is, yeah. And it's th- been really good so far. It has. Thank you everyone who watched that last episode on Legion of Superheroes. It's the most successful episode of the series yet. Yeah, people really liked that one. They freaking loved that one. It really let me know the age of our audience. <laughs> which before I was uncertain but now I totally know that episode did so good it did better than Comic Multiverse has done in months oh wow really yes so if we completely shift next year and we just become a Legion of Superheroes show (laughs) podcast you'll know why Uh, of course this week everyone we're doing Crypto the Superdog which was a show in 2005 we're doing it because the Super Pets movies starring Crypto actually debuts at the end of the month in fact they're still Mm -hmm. announcing voice actors for that who's going to actually be in the movie really are they yes they just announced the woman who was playing wonder woman like just today just before we started oh okay that's pretty cool yeah they were keeping it a surprise and everything because obviously no one cares who the human characters are because it's all about who the animal characters are yeah yeah and and we double dipped on the rock here at warner brothers we get two rocks for the price of one we do in the same around the same month as well more or less yeah i i've been saying it forever i thought you know the super pets and crypto in particular you know, is bound to break the box office because it's everything movie-going kids like. It's a cartoon, mm-hmm. it's superheroes, it's a cute animal. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they actually did another crypto show. They did it in 2005. In fact, as I was researching here, it aired on uh, the CW Saturday morning block, which blows mm-hmm. me away. I'm like, oh, CW had a Saturday morning block? Yeah, I didn't know that as well. I always thought it was because CW was the WB yes. at one point. Yes. And I always thought it was that. You know, it is. It was that weird, like, awkward couple years in between when WB became CW. And also, I was a teenager yeah. at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wasn't getting up Saturday morning to watch this. So this completely uh. slipped my vision. But hey, that's the whole point of this arc of shows we're doing on Retro Hero Video. It's stuff we've never seen before. So Matt and I were able to come into this one completely clear. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably seen, like, clips of the show, yeah. like, ages ago, but yeah, I hadn't actually seen, like, a full episode. Yeah, like, I knew what it was about, like, oh, it's a show about Crypto the Superdog, and he fights, like, Bud and Lou, the Joker's hyena, mm-hmm. and I think, like, Lex Luthor has an iguana or some shit, so yeah. they, they had yeah. to make up some pets, not everyone had such ready-made pets to go. <laughs> In fact, as we find out in this show itself, they had to stretch to try and get a lot of the different pets in. Yeah, oh, did they ever. Oh, they stretched. But before we do that, anyone, of course, a big feature of the show is we just don't hop into the show blind. We got to understand the time in which the show may. We try and, you know, understand the culture of the world that birthed this show. The year was 2005, and the number one song in the world at that time was Amer... Uh, sorry, no, it was Boulevard of Broken Dreams off the album American Idiot from Green Day. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course it was. What a what a monster hit this album was. This I bought this CD because I was mm-hmm. a teenager yep. at the time, and we still bought CDs. Yep, yeah, we were exactly the target audience for this. We were. This was the height of me watching music television. I watched all the award shows that year because Green Day was on it, performing songs mm-hmm. from this album. Yeah, that, yeah. Th- this song, like people who were younger than us, probably don't understand like how huge 
not just Green Day was, but like this song yeah. and like American Idiot were. It was probably the last major album. It was probably the last yeah. time in history when, you know, the charts and, you know, the major record companies could kind of get behind something and go, this is the number one song now. Obviously, yeah. there's big hits now, but because of the internet, people listen to whatever the hell they want. They listen to K-pop. Mm-hmm. They listen to weird electronic stuff. The world is open now, and you you will probably never see another hit nor another massive album like this. Yeah, it was fucking massive. It was massive. Again, you had American Idiot, the big, blustering, you know, anti-Bush era, anti-war song that obviously did so much to stop the war. And, you know, we're in uh, 2022 now, and, you know, obviously uh, we, we don't have to worry about the news not holding politicians accountable and corruption has completely been taken care of in America. No more of that. No, no. Every everything is fine now, you know. Green Day, they they did their job, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Protest music in two thousand five, man. Yeah, you, you, you had to be there. You really did. <laughs> you did. Yeah. It seems so cute in retrospect, doesn't it? <laughs> so much to the point, Green Day never did any protest songs ever again. <laughs> no, they didn't, did they? Nope. They're like, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the drawing board, I guess. I, I, I have you have to wonder if like that song came out now how it, how would it have been received? I know, right? The funny thing is, is that you listen to the lyrics of that, and it's like literally nothing changed. You're all yeah, singing about yeah. the exact same shit that's going on now. Yeah, it's still so relevant. Yeah, I'm not part of the redneck agenda, you know, all across the alien nation. Yep, yep, it's all it's all there. It's all still there. Yeah. It's all still yeah. true. Still holds up. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that was the number one song, and oh, oh, what a time. Now, as far as the number one movie in the world at the time Crypto premiered was this, this one threw me for a loop. The Ring 2 was number one that week. I I, I do remember, like, the like the, the remake of The Ring and The Ring mm-hmm. 2, they were extremely popular. Yes, they were. I mean, The Ring 1 was excellent. That's another one I yes. saw in theaters, and I'm like, wow, what a cool-ass movie. What a great remake of a foreign film, and yes. wow, what a scary movie that was only PG-13. Holy shit. Yeah. It was it, it was at a time where PG-13 was actually, like, yeah. used really well, but also it's it's one of those uh, rare, rare cases where, like, a remake is almost as better as yeah. the original. Tell me about it. It worked. It also helped that, you know, it was a Japanese story, but it was also, like, in somewhere else, so they kept a lot of the cultural signifiers. Ring 1 is very good. I remember I saw Ring 2 at the cottage one time. I got it from a blockbuster again, because I am an old, old man, and these are old words I'm saying. I can't remember jack shit about the Ring 2. I can't really either. I keep trying to think. I'm like, oh, but the scene with the well and the bit with the horse. I'm like, nope, that was from the first one. Nope, they were <laughs> all from the first one. <laughs> also, it's, it's really funny to think like this, like between this, there was this, there was uh, The Grudge. Yeah. There was a movie called The Eye. There was one called yeah, yeah. Shudder, and they all came out within probably two or three years, and they're all remakes of Japanese films. Yeah, there was a big J-horror invasion at the time. Again, you had to have been there, but for a little bit, J-horror was inescapable. Everyone was trying mm-hmm. to riff on it. Yep. 
And I mean, you know, the Ring series, like, what is it they actually did in Japan? Didn't they do, like, a crossover movie? Didn't they do, yes. like, Ringu they, versus The Grudge? Uh, yeah, it was only a couple of years ago as well uh, yeah. that they did, like, I haven't, I haven't seen that. I've Neither have I. to find it because uh, apparently it's it's really bad, but, like, oh, it's, yeah, it it's, it's it. like, really hilarious as well. Who doesn't love a good versus movie? Just, uh, the, <laughs> the sound effect. It's, uh, it's movies that really got by on scaring the shit out of you with good sound. Uh, like, yeah. that's terrifying. Yeah. And, and, like, it's all, like, household stuff. Like, oh, you could die in a closet. <laughs> you could die in your tub. Oh, but I have those things. Yep. I'm going to have to go to the closet. I'm going to have to go to the tub at some point. Oh, no. <laughs> also, they, they tried to, like, remake, reboot the ring with, like, John Cho a couple years back, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that film and remembering nothing about it. I was going to watch it, then I never did. So, yeah, talk about something where the lightning only struck once. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so that was the number one movie. What a what a weird snapshot of history, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me about it. Now, as far as television goes, unfortunately, we're in the 2000s. Uh, American Idol and talent shows still hold the airwaves in a freaking death grip that they will not mm-hmm. release for many more years. But something interesting I did find, uh, the same week, uh, there was actually big rumblings in nerd TV over in Britain because the 16th season of Doctor Who made a big, long-awaited return to the BBC with the ninth Doctor. Holy shit. It was the 16th season, but technically yeah. the first. Yes. Because it was like a the, reboot. It was like the reboot, quote-unquote. Uh, for many people, uh, Eccleston was their first Doctor. Lord knows he was mine when I tried to get into it because it's very easy to, you know, ease new viewers in like I was. Mm-hmm. Yep. He would also end up being a one-season wonder. He only did the one. Yeah, and then we got David Tennant. Yes, who many people considered to be the, the best or their favorite of the modern year. I know I watched all of Eccleston, I watched all of Tennant, and I said, oh, I should come back for Matt Smith, but then I just never did. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure, you know, all the doctors bring it's something good. to it. It's pretty good, yeah. I, I will admit, I thought Eccleston was cool as hell, and I will admit that I tried to pull off that red shirt leather blazer combination. It's difficult to do. <laughs> God's gift to cosplayers, though. <laughs> it's very easy. <laughs> but yeah, so we actually had something good to talk about on TV at that time. Now, uh, as far as video games go, oh man, was 2005 a monster year for oh, good yeah. video games? Oh yeah. The number one seller the month this came out in March was Resident Evil 4 for the PS2. Make, makes sense. Makes sense. God, a game so impactful. Even today, we are still feeling the effects of this one. It's been re-released, remastered on just about every console you can name since it was released, and they're going to be remaking it soon. Yeah, we got a remake coming out next March. Hot damn. T- talk about a game that fires on every cylinder, every zone, every battle, every boss fight. It's Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Yeah, what's, a, what's your favorite boss battle from Resident Evil 4, Matt? I like Krauser. Same. I was going to say Krauser. The close quarters knife fight where it's like, no, 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 don't shoot. Fight him with your knife. Actually do it. Cool. (laughs) That's actually the best way to do it. And you can stun lock him. God, that's cool. (laughs) Man, Resident Evil 4 is so good. But man, this this is one of the few times where I had to actually write down more notes. Let let me just tell you some of the other games that came out that year. God of War 1. Cool. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid 3. Oh, god damn, yeah. yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> GTA San Andreas. Yep. 
Guitar Hero, Shadow mm-hmm. of the Colossus, Half-Life 2, Psychonauts, Civilizations 5, and Burnout Revenge all in the same year. That's a stacked year, yeah. What a monster And I remember year. playing most of them when they came same. out. Same. Well. Yeah, I can actually say, wow, I played most of those because, hey, I was a teenager. I had more time and more disposable income than ever before. <laughs> I was into all of these many sleepless nights. What a goddamn good year for games that was. <laughs> Now, we are a comic book show first and foremost, so we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what was on comic shelves at the time. Uh, Mark Millar's Wanted was a big thing at the time. Yeah, yeah. This came out, and then a couple of years later, the movie would come out and be nothing like the... Nothing like the book. Nothing like it, yeah. It took... It kept the name and curving the bullets, even though only the main guy curved the bullets because he was like a Hawkeye bullseye pastiche. Yeah, well, which is really funny because they had a game for the movie as well. I and the remember. game was more in line with the comics than the movie was. The movie was, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the the book is very, very dated to 2005. Ooh, is it ever? The main character looks like Eminem. Yeah. Because that was kind of what they were going for, this disaffected, fuck the world. Like, I literally think the final page is just the main character flipping you off and calling you stupid for reading it. Yeah, that was that was that was kind of um, Millar's thing at the time. Sure was. There was this. There was, I think, uh, about a year or two later, there was Superior, mm, um, Nemesis. Yep. yep, yep. There was all a, of those. N- nihilism was very hip and cool in two thousand five, kind of like it is now. Honestly, when I stop and think about, yeah. it. didn't did, wasn't the boys being released around the same time? Because it was also I a think so. it was also a burning middle finger to the Bush administration and the Dick Cheney Halliburton era of politics, which obviously the new show doesn't do because people are like, well, well that wouldn't make sense anymore. It's like one of those yeah. you had to be there things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another interesting book that debuted this month around the same time was X-23, number one. Yes. Yes, Laura's big solo series, a character that started in X-Men Evolution, was canonized and got her own series. Though, honestly, I feel like on some level, Marvel is a little embarrassed or at least a little scared to remind people of Laura's first couple stories because Ooh, yeah. she was a prostitute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just that underage prostitute yeah yeah geez i they really did not think that character would become such a big deal did they (laughs) no no they didn't they were just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what happens and now they're like oh god never remember remind anyone we did that yeah it's kind of crazy when you think about like where she is now yes on the x-men and everything as wolverine you think about this this uh this first issue here and how just how like different the character Mm -hmm. is a completely different character totally and don't get me wrong hey i think a sex worker superhero is super cool and everything but you know it should be someone old enough to consent to that sort of thing is the problem (laughs) and again hey you you should be able to tell stories about you know like human trafficking and you know the human spirit overcoming and everything but still it's a weird little cocktail from where it was to where it is now (laughs) yep Yep. Tell me about it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's your little taste of the world at the time. Again, a little a little dark, Matt, a little gritty. I would say the times we were in. Yeah, I would as well. This uh, this cartoon we're going to be talking about is none of these things, actually. (laughs) Not even close. Some might say it's sugary and saccharine. 
Yes, that's right, Crypto the Superdog, you know, probably one of the most fun aspects of Superman's long and storied history. This character, much like the Legion of Superheroes that we talked about last week, was created by Otto Binder for uh, Adventure Mm -hmm. Comics. Yeah, he created a lot of, like, the surrounding Mm -hmm. Superman family. Like, the the Legion, Crypto, all those characters. Fortress of Solitude. Basically, everything that Siegel and Schuster didn't create, but that you know and love about Superman, probably came from Binder. Yep. Shame he never gets his flowers, although he kind of did in the Shazam movie, because we find out uh, Billy's missing father's name is Otto, and I'm like, ah, that's fun. (laughs) That's a nice reference. He got his flowers many years later. Crypto's like 60 years old. Yeah. He's a very old character, and thankfully, unlike other dogs, he doesn't have a short lifespan. No. He had a very long lifespan. So we dig into the show, and as with many shows, we get treated to the opening credits. And, uh, you know, I I, I didn't want to try and be too negative too early on, but these opening credits suck. Yeah, it's got, like, a really terrible theme song, and, yeah, it... I think they knew they were marketing towards like oh, babies. Yes, that's the thing where I'm like, watch this. I'm like, oh no, did I did I pick a show for toddlers for me and Matt to talk about? Because in everything I read, it didn't say it. And the producers on this are Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, who did all the this other episode shows. Is, this episode is written by Alan Burnett. Yes, who's a goddamn legend and a goddamn veteran of the DCAU and so many other great shows we grew up with. I'm like, oh, surely, you know, it is the same all ages appeal that Batman the Animated Series was and Justice League and everything else? Uh, no, actually. No, not at all. This is going for a much, much younger audience, and there's there's a certain tone, I think we can all agree, when you're watching something made for kids, when you're like, oh no, this is gonna be patronizing and talking down to kids, and something you watch and being like, oh, this isn't patronizing at all, this is actually going for an all-ages appeal. Mm-hmm. And, and I say this in freaking, you know, uh, 2022, when, you know, uh, adults will happily say like, oh, you know, that Bluey show ain't bad. You know, they actually got some good jokes in that one. Mm-hmm. This this is not that. No, not at all. Now, you mentioned the theme song, Matt. Let me let me read you some lyrics from this theme song, just so you know how lazy this is out there. Everyone watching Crypto, Crypto, the Superdog, Crypto, it's Superdog time. That's the first. That's the first line they hit you with, and the singer could not be less interested. The next line no. after that, he's a super dog. Yes, thank you. I put that together already. You <laughs> said it in the first two lines. He's a superhero. Well, if he's a super dog, obviously he's a superhero. <laughs> he's not going to be a super dog and not be a superhero. Those things, you know, they friggin' go together. I mean, come on, guys. What are, what, what, what are we even doing here? <laughs> he's Crypto the Super Dog. Rough, rough, and away. Get it? Because we're kind of riffing on up, up, and away, but we're making it kind of silly. <laughs> so that's what we're working with here, people, right off the bat. And I'm like, oh, this is this is going to be rough, is what this is going to be. Did Paul Dini and Alan Burnett, like, lose a bet? It really feels like that, or they did the show on a bet where it's like, okay, you know, we've done teens and, you know, uh, young adults and everything. Let's try and make a show directed strictly at young children. Or, like, the network asked them to work that magic for young children. Yeah, or it was, like, part of a deal where, like, you can do these shows 
but you have to do a Crypto the Superdog show for, like, toddlers. You gotta do this as well on top of it. We get our big, you know, kind of splash there of the logo, the logo that's on the thumbnail. It looks fine. It's red and yellow. It doesn't look like yeah. they're trying to... It, it's it's friggin' Superman symbol. Well, what do you want? It's all the same iconography. Yeah, yeah. We also get a title card, which makes me feel like they're trying to riff on, like, even older, like, Looney Tunes, Warner yeah. Brothers projects, because it's like, Crypto, the super dog, in. Yeah, whenever I see them, I always think of, like, animated shorts. Yes. But, the, but this isn't really an animated short. It's, like, 20 minutes long. Aha! I am glad you mentioned that, Matt. So here's the thing. The first episode, Crypto Scripto, which we're looking at today, which is a title that makes no goddamn sense. Scripto is not especially, a word. Especially not in context with what happens in the no, show. No, no, that is nothing. That is pure gibberish. Not a good place to start. But yeah, so this is 22 minutes. It's the origins of Crypto for the new show. It's the only episode that's 22 minutes. Everyone else is 11 minutes, two 11-minute uh, shorts okay. put together. There you go. And oh boy, does it show, because at the halfway point of this episode, they just give up. Yeah, yeah, they, they really do. They just give up and start over. But yeah, let's uh, let's hop into the show proper here. So uh, we actually get a very fun scene of Crypto basically telling us his own origin, how, you know, he's a dog from Krypton. He had a boy and a family that loved him very much, but the boy's father gave him a very important mission to try out a brand new rocket ship. Yeah, pretty much how it is in the comics. Yeah, and also something that hit me in such like a very, you know, sunny, kid-friendly thing where it's like, whoa, Jarrell tests out his rockets on animals. He tests on animals is what you're telling me. Yeah. I mean, he's fine. He's a super dog and he made it. But geez, that's kind of a dark starting point. <laughs> Again, read up on the story of Laika, everyone, the first ever actual Russian dog in space. She did not make it, nor did all those chimps they fired. Thankfully, Crypto did. And uh, this isn't just any Crypto. This is Crypto, the super puppy. Yes. Which, in fairness, he is a cute little puppy. And the ship they send him in looks a lot like the Golden Age Superman ship, doesn't it? It does, yeah. So at least, you know, they paid attention in that regard and, you know, be happy with that because that's the only real kind of references you're going to be getting to comic book stuff in this first episode. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we, we kind of have, again, like I mentioned before, a Looney Tunes bit of him just, you know, screwing around in the ship and like, oh, he's working the water dispenser. He's working the treat dispenser. Yeah, he, he starts growing up and everything. And yeah. He's, yeah. It's, he gets, it, like, the, the color and the, 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 the tag and everything, yeah. The red blanket that will become his cape, because apparently that's just standard procedure for every ship the yes. Kryptonians send out. <laughs> one one red blanket just in case. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have it. Uh, what's funny about this, too, is that it's Crypto doing his own narration, so, like, he's already telling you about stuff that happened to him before, which I thought mm -hmm. was a, weirdly, uh, a weird way to frame the show. Yep. He's, you know, he's talking about it. Uh, let's talk about voice actors. Crypto in the show is voiced by uh, Sam Vincent, who is a fairly mm -hmm. well-known Canadian voice actor. Mm -hmm. So well-known, in fact, Matt, I thought it was time for the top five roles of Sam Vincent. I'm bringing it back. It's been a whole minute. <laughs> Number five, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog from Sonic Underground, but only the singing voice. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, like it was Jaleel White who did the actual voice, because that dude's basically, you know, been married to the Sonic role since forever. But yes, he did yeah. the singing voice, because in Sonic Underground, 
Him and his brother and sister were in a band, and they sang a new song every episode, and they were pretty fucking bad. <laughs> There's a bit that sticks out in my mind, and I will have to splice it in here so people don't think I'm having a goddamn fever dream. It's Sonic the Hedgehog singing about liberty. Like, the concept of liberty, but because he's an alien hedgehog and America doesn't exist in their world, they kind of have to, like, get cute and get around it, but it's so... It's a fucking patriotic jam starring Sonic. <laughs> you, you know, like, all that bad Son arc of, like, Sonic is Mpreg, Sonic and Shrek and everything on the cross. Sonic Underground yeah. kind of feels like that, like the ground zero yeah. for all that stuff happening. <laughs> But yeah, so Sonic the Hedgehog. Number four, uh, bring it back to X-Men Evolution. He was the voice of Forge on X-Men Evolution. Oh, okay. Do you remember many Forge episodes? Not really. I remember one episode, and it was like a time travel episode. He had, like, got himself stuck somewhere in the high school, and they had to, like, try and get him back. So he's the same age as everyone, despite the fact that he's, like, from another era. Okay. I don't think he ever really helps. Oh, no, I think he helps Nightcrawler in a later episode with, like, his bamfing tech, but he never really did much. Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably why I can't remember him. I can't really remember him from that show. He wasn't in much at all, but he, he that was the role. He was Forge. He was in an X-Men thing. Number three. Uh, Sam Vincent was also the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but only in the Lego Star Wars droids. That's the one thing he did it in. Now, Matt, you're, you're a, a Star Wars expert. Where does Star Wars Legos droids, you know, rank in the great oeuvre of films and oh, expanded universes? It's, it's very hard to, to, to place it because it's Naturally. so, you know, nuanced and, and, and steeped in lore, you know. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> now, that's weird because don't they usually give it to someone else who's Obi-Wan, like in all the animated stuff? Uh, well, yeah, I think usually it's James Arnold Taylor who does a lot, at least, like, most of the stuff now for Obi-Wan when it's animated. Yeah, he's pretty much married to the role. But then again, this was 2005, so maybe they hadn't quite mm. hammered that out yet. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and finally, probably his most famous role, and I just realized that wasn't five roles, but fuck you, you try doing this. Uh, he was in Ed, Ed, and Eddie as Double D, Ed. Oh, okay. Yes, he was one of the three Eds. In fact, you can kind of hear it in his crypto voice. He's just not trying to sound too smart, but it's basically yeah. his Double D voice. Okay, yeah, yeah, you can, can kind of hear it, yeah. Yeah, Double D's a little bit more high-pitched and is, like, obviously the smart one out of the two dumbass Eds. That's basically mm -hmm. what he's doing for crypto. Okay. Though, admittedly, Crypto himself is kind of dumb because he's a dog. Uh, they they yeah. do the whole Supergirl thing where it's like, oh, he ages up in the pod and everything before he gets there, which is kind of interesting because that means that Superman got there first, but he aged up, but he was to test the rocket, but the rocket got lost, but Jor-El used it anyway. This this children's show is doing my head in, Matt, I tell ya. It's 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 not inherent to canon. No, not inherent to canon. No, conti no continuity, you mm -hmm. know. Zero out of ten for this show for yep. toddlers. I'm sorry. Yep. I, yep. We're going to get mad about it and do a bunch of YouTube videos about it. Sure know? are. For this show from 2005, we're, we're almost yep. two decades late. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it, too. You know, before he leaves the ship, he gets a collar and a House of L symbol because, you know, animals and cartoons are naked if they don't have collars. Yes. Oh, he also gets a universal communicator because this show would be really hard to do if humans couldn't hear what he was saying. 
I'd actually like a version of the show where he's just going, hur, hur, rur, rur, rur. I don't know, Shaggy. I'm sure there was a bit where they pitched that, but I'm sure they're like, no, you can't have a show where no one knows what the dog is saying because then it just becomes lassie at that point. <laughs> it's also funny, too, because when he gets on Earth, other animals can talk, too. He can talk to other animals and they can talk to him, but only he can talk to the human because he has, like, a universal translator. I, I guess, like, the translator works for humans as well. I guess, yeah. Did Clark get a universal translator? <laughs> no, he just understands them. He just understands. Because, yeah, like, everyone in the comics just understands crypto just implicitly. Yeah. And, like, in my head canon, again, you're more of a super fan than me, you know, is crypto super smart by dog standards in the same way Superman is super smart by human standards? I mean, I would assume so, being that he's affected the same way by, like, Yellow Sun. Yeah. Also, he got aged up in that pod when his ship kind of went off course and anything. We don't see Jor-El there teaching him the <laughs> mysteries of the universe the same way he did Clark, so he's still a puppy in mind, though a dog in body. <laughs> so he probably still needs to be house-trained and stuff. Probably, yeah. Probably. Maybe that's why Crypto isn't so smart in this show, because he's still <laughs> just a big puppy, you know? <laughs> the, there's one joke that actually made me laugh. Again, a lot of these jokes are super low impact, but when he flies by a bunch of geese, and they're like, oh no, they can fly now, we're really in trouble. Because <laughs> dogs chase geese, or at least they do here in Canada. Yeah. Uh, Crypto, now that he's on Earth, he needs he needs a boy. He's got to find a boy, you know, because it's a boy and his dog story is what it is. And also, he needs some cover while on Earth, too. We can't just be a stray superhero dog. No, not at all. He's got to have someone to feed him and pick up his poop. <laughs> Scratch his belly, because, you know, that's how it works. And he only, he only proceeds to freak out children by running into playgrounds and being like, Who wants to adopt me, kids? <laughs> Yeah, just freaking out ch children. Uh, at least he wasn't like a pit bull. At least, at least not. Yeah, exactly. Where's where's that story where it's like, oh, sorry, Crypto, we gotta put you down. <laughs> he traveled across the universe to bite a child. To bite a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they try and put him down, but he catches the bullet in his teeth. Because <laughs> he's fucking cool like that. Uh, now, again, as I said, it's a boy and his dog story, so we get introduced to the boy. His name is Kevin. He has just moved to Metropolis, and he's not having a good time. No one's given him the time of day, not the least of which his new neighbor, Andrea. And I don't know if you caught this, Matt. Kevin and Andrea, are they references to Kevin Conroy and Andrea Romano, the voice of Batman and the voice director for all these DCU shows? Probably. Which is hilarious to me because Andrea Romano does not do the voice casting for this show. Yeah. And Kevin Conroy, is, as far as I know, is not in it. Which is why it's like, like kind of bad voice casting. Yeah, it's not great, right? Again, it's, it's all kind of like, ooh, this is the B and C tier. This is, ooh, we're making a show for kids. We're not going to try too hard. I will get to it, but when 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 Superman turns up, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty friggin' lazy. It's like, oh yeah, you didn't have the greatest living voice director working on this the same way you did on those other shows. No. Now, uh, Andrea already has a pet. It's a cat with a streak on its back because that is Streaky the Super Cat. Yep. Who is not super in this world at all because no. just a normal cat. Yeah. Now, if we keep watching the show, will we also see Comet the Super Horse and everything else? I mean, probably. I know Ace the Bat Hound shows up. Ace the Bat Ace the Bat Hound is in the opening credits. Is the funny yeah. thing. Again, because you got to have Batman there to, to, to 
to now show people Batman even, exists. Even in the animal kingdom, Batman's supremacy must always be upheld. <laughs> so yeah, Kevin gets messed around with some bullies, and we know they're bullies because whenever they're on screen, we get guitars go We are sinister. Gonna throw your freaking thing in a tree. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, he tries and gets his frisbee out of a tree and he almost dies instantly yes because you know kids climbing trees I mean I I wouldn't have bothered climbing that tree I'd have been like nope it belongs to the tree now I'm cool yeah it's it's the trees trees now trees now and of course this is a perfect opportunity for crypto to come on in much like Superman and save a dumb child from being street pizza <laughs> I call Kevin a dumb child, and that's probably not fair. It's just he is so John every child. There is just nothing yeah. defining about him. I, I guess that's like the point, because again, it is. this is a, a show for kids. They, yes. they need the kids to be able to say, hey, that's me. Exactly. You're supposed to superimpose yourself onto it. The kid quickly discovers that, oh, you're an alien dog because you got the same symbol as Superman. Also, I know about Krypton because I guess we're going by Donner movie logic that Superman sat down with the paper and told everyone what his deal mm -hmm. was. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone is just aware of it. Yep. Also, the paper is the Daily Planet, so I guess that is the one other comic reference we get in this. Mm -hmm. We don't see a byline, but I can only assume it's written by Lois. I assume so, yeah. Because she kind of, you know, has a, that's kind of a racket. <laughs> the, the, the closest thing we get to an actual bit of drama is the parents arguing amongst themselves whether or not they're going to take in this stray, which, yeah, is, is a good conversation to have because your kid just showed up with a strange dog and wants to keep it. Yeah. Like you said, you don't know if it's, a, you know, going to bite everyone. You don't know what it's got. Yeah. It could be a secret pit bull in disguise. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it's wearing a little costume. It pulls the zipper down. <laughs> and before Pitbull people come at us, yes, we know, not all Pitbulls are mean. A lot of it comes down to the owner and how shitty they are. Hell, I'm pretty sure Dalmatians actually bite more people. Yeah. Speaking of which, do we know what kind of dog Crypto is? They never say he's an alien dog, but what breed is he supposed to be? A white you know, one. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the white one. He's a white one is what he is. <laughs> ah, yeah, gotta get you one of them white dogs, you know. <laughs> the, the the parents are funny too in their design because I totally feel like they're modeled after someone's real parents. Yeah, yeah, it feels like yeah, probably like an animator's parents or yeah. like you know one of the writers' parents or something. Yeah, they look very specific in their way. Like the mom's got like a side ponytail, the dad's a little pudgy with like really really black circles around his eyes, and I'm like these are these are interesting animation choices that make me think these have to be based on real people. <laughs> Or they're, like, a writer and his wife. And or that, that the, the kid is their, like, son. Ah, yeah, I, I, I buy that. I totally buy that. Yeah. So, yeah, so this, as you'll notice, it's around this point, we're around the 11-minute mark, and this is kind of where the episode gives up, and we essentially get a little music video with a completely different Crypto the Super Dog theme song that they throw in here. Yeah. I am certain this was an alternate take they had, and they're like, oh, this is pretty good, just it's, put it in the show. It, it's like when, you know, in anime is how you get halfway through a season and then the opening mm -hmm. changes. Mm -hmm. It's like that. It's 100% like that. And I'm going to come out and say it. Uh, I like that the second song better. It's a little bit better, yeah. The lyrics actually make sense. Here's the thing. I, I think there's a couple reasons why they didn't use it. One, it's very low impact. 
-hmm. It's a lady with a guitar. It sounds like something you would hear at Lilifair. And also, the song directly references the kid, where the opening theme song to this does not reference the kid, because I imagine Mm -hmm. people are like, oh, it's a show about Crypto the Superdog. I want to watch that. Not Crypto and some friggin' kid. They they hadn't cast the kid yet. Probably. They were still looking. (laughs) They were like, eh, you know, let's downplay it. So yeah, Crypto and Kevin getting all sorts of shenanigans. You know, we see all the good stuff that a super dog can do. He can help you hide your laundry under your bed. He can help you heat up a cold pool. He can do so much stuff. (laughs) Which, yeah, admittedly, yeah, that's that's the meat and potatoes of a Crypto story. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah. Uh, They build him a little doghouse, too. Uh, there, there's a moment where I fo- felt like we were going to get into some real drama because they're like, oh, we got to go back and get your rocket because, you know, we just can't leave that behind. And I'm like, ooh, is this going to be like some E.T. sort of shit? You know, is like the government going to be after him and his rocket to try and weaponize him? No, they go back and get the <laughs> rocket without a single problem. <laughs> you see, this is my problem. You see, I'm trying to write a show that appeals to me, not a show that appeals to six-year-olds on Saturday morning. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a show that has some some form of uh, drama, uh, plot and drama to it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm waiting for Amanda Waller to be like, "By God, a super dog! I better dissect it and find out what we can learn for America." <laughs> she's a cat person, you see, Waller, and hates dogs. <laughs> she was bitten as a child, and as we discover, <laughs> and that's why she's so mean to inmates. <laughs> There was a Pitbulls and Parolis thing at Bell Rev, but she just put a friggin' stop to it. Yeah, yeah. Also, the nosy neighbor girl starts to get wise to what they're doing. I'm sure that will continue to build in other episodes, but here it's just nothing. No. Also, Streaky the Supercat likes the kid and his dog, but the girl doesn't. Because no. because reasons, because you need someone to not like them. Of course. I will say their underground base is actually kind of cool, and I like the shot is, yeah. where we see it goes from under the doghouse to the rocket to be his own fortress of solitude. And I'm like, all yeah. right, that's actually not bad. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's not a completely artless show. Someone actually put a fun idea in there. <laughs> uh, we also discover via a very convenient television set in the rocket that uh, <laughs> Superman is away on a space mission. Boy, sure was nice of him to tell the media before he left. Yeah, yeah, it was. Hey, guys, going away for a bit. Can you, like, not start a war and, like, maybe not kill each other while I'm away? Cool, thanks. (laughs) In in this universe, all of Earth is on the honor system, you see? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Superman, hand hand to Gog. We're not going to do it. (laughs) We promise to be good while you're gone. But, uh, oh, no, uh, a tanker ship that was hauling zoo animals is sinking. I, I I don't know why, but yeah. I mean, I sure, get. I mean, I mean, I guess you got to get zoo animals into the country somehow, and I guess some of them would have to come by tanker ship, I suppose. I I, I guess so, yeah. I mean, I assumed you know for whatever operation you're running, you'd want to like trank them and take them by airplane to get them here pretty soon. Yeah. Maybe it's one of them cheap ass zoos. Maybe it's one of them you know like water for elephant style zoos, <laughs> where they don't give a shit. Also, you know, because this is a world where animals can talk, all the animals have hilarious uh, sounding accents and speech impediments, you know, to keep in line with the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes of it all. For some reason, the lion sounds like friggin' uh, what's-his-face? What's-his-face? Yeah, it sounds like, oh god, why am I blanking on his name? You know, the director who's a major sleazebag. 
that doesn't narrow it. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Woody Allen, there you go. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Oh no, he sounds like Woody Allen for some reason. Uh, we got a whole bit there where Crypto's got to try on a new costume to try and hide his dog identity. Yep. Because that's important, you know, you got to hide your dog identity because, you know, I, I I have a hard time telling dogs apart. Yeah, you'll be you'll know that, that he belongs to that one kid in Metropolis who just moved to Metropolis, mm. you know. Better go you'll, get you'll him. Know. Better go yeah. kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, Crypto goes out there. He saves the day. M- many hilarious antics ensue with the animals. You know, the, the, the warthog almost drowns because it's smaller than the giraffe. You know, animal jokes. We got them for days. Yeah, the lion is scared of water because that's a trope for some reason. Cats don't like water. Also, the lion yeah. might eat the other animals if given the chance. <laughs> The rhino is kind of a dick. I'd love if that if I'd love if that was a thing. He freed all the animals and like <laughs> the, the lion just like massacred them all. Oh man, uh, who wrote this? Tom Taylor. <laughs> this took a real dark turn in the halfway point. <laughs> but yeah, so Crypto is a big hero and everyone loves him and he has unveiled himself to the world much in the same way Superman revealed himself to the world and much like no one can tell Superman is Clark Kent. No one can tell this dog is the super dog. <laughs> yeah, no one recognizes that white dog. No, which I actually like. The parents are watching on TV like, hey, you know whose dog that is? Superman, probably. <laughs> I mean, he's got his symbol and superpowers. It's definitely not our dog. Definitely not our dog. Definitely not. You'd think more people would have more questions. Like, are there other super animals? Do super animals <laughs> taste delicious, maybe? I know there's a bat cow, but I wouldn't eat him. He's just a regular earth cow with a bat symbol on him. <laughs> I know bat, bat cow wasn't existed yet, and that's a shame because I think bat cow would be great for this. <laughs> All the different adventures they go on. So yeah, the, the day is saved and everyone's happy, but oh, who's, who's that out the window? It's not Santa, it's Superman, who again, showing his detective skills, was able to discover where the super dog was in no time. It's Dollar Store Superman. Oh, man. The, he's he's going for a Tim Daly thing, this guy, but it ain't working. He's just so boring. I, I looked this guy up. His name is Michael Dangerfield, and he, oh. he voiced Superman once in this. But he actually has a connection to Superman because he played Gordon Godfrey on Smallville. No shit. How about that? Yeah, but yeah, he's terrible, Superman. He's, he's there's like there's like no emotion in his voice or no, anything. He sounds asleep. He sounds asleep yeah. at the wheel. It sounds like someone called in a favor, and they're like, "Ah, oh, crap! We couldn't get Tim Daly. We couldn't get the Justice League Superman to come and do this. You know, they wanted no part of it. Who do we got? Eh, this guy, we guess. Yeah, uh, I will admit." One thing that I kind of like is the kid gets him the pictures that he drew and sent with Crypto to Earth, and Superman's like, oh, these are like the last pictures of Krypton. This is like some actual real artifact stuff. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was actually kind of a nice idea and everything, you know, Superman to be rejoined with this piece of his culture that he'll never see again. But that doesn't last very long. And of course, oh no, is is Superman going to take the dog away in the first episode? I am six. I, I'd love if that was the thing. He's like, no, this is my dog. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. He is so dangerous. He has a nuke behind each eye. I don't trust you, kid. <laughs> We're in the super dickery era of Superman. <laughs> Not only am I taking your dog, but I'm going to wipe your mind in the mind of your family because I can do that. Yeah, just 
just let me kiss you. Yeah, exactly, little boy. I've done it and other things. And bring out your family. Got to kiss all of them. I'm going to kiss this whole neighborhood just to make sure no one remembers this dog was here. <laughs> but yeah, of course, Superman's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm busy saving the world and everything. So, you know, maybe maybe you should watch him and help train him. And, you know, there's there's how your series starts. There's your inciting incident, everyone. Yeah, leaves this this very dangerous animal with this child. Yep. For at least two more seasons of adventures. <laughs> I know, I can't believe this got two seasons either, but it did. I mean, I can kind of see how it did. It's just like Saturday morning cartoons yeah. for little kids, yeah. you know, easily syndicated. Absolutely. Know? Again, you know, we were surprised by Legion of Superheroes. We're like, oh, this was actually a lot deeper and more interesting and had more stuff going on than we thought it did. This show here is like, yeah, okay, we went in with a, you know, f- you know, full mind and full heart and, you know, or sorry, open mind and full heart. And it was still kind of like, okay, we are not the target audience for this. <laughs> I get. I'd love to ask Alan Burnett and Paul Dini about Same. this, and just like, how did this happen? Like, where did this come, come from? from? Yeah. Likewise, I tried finding like you know production notes and everything on Wikipedia, and I couldn't find anything. So like, it looks like they haven't talked about it very much. Yeah. I, again, I think it might have been just like a contractual thing. You can do all these other shows, but you got to do this you one for like more. the little kids yeah. for like the Saturday morning cartoon block. Yeah. You, you owe us one for the new CW thing. Yeah. This this whole thing reeks of this was a job. Yep. This was a job to us is what this was. And apparently they do some cool stuff later. Like we said, they introduce a bunch of villainous pets. Lex Luthor's iguana, Bud and Lou. Uh, I think they introduced like a space dog later on who is like kind of mm-hmm. crypto's equal. Uh, uh, Brainy, which I'm like, oh, is that Brainiac's dog? No, actually. <laughs> but, but wouldn't have that been interesting if Brainiac had a dog? I, I, I do know one of the monsters. I think it might have been Luthor's like iguana yeah that, that, that like green thing that's in the um in the opening yeah, yeah, yeah that that monster looks exactly like the giant dinosaur superman fights in the Fleischer oh, cartoons oh fun all right so it's not without its references it's not without its little things yeah. so yeah there's there's crypto the super dog everyone not for us but the idea is solid and i actually think that super pets movie is going to be pretty good that one actually does look to be aiming for more of an all-ages audience yes. It does, yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe that one will be good. Maybe we'll talk about that one on here sometime. But uh, yeah, I'll just about do it for us, everyone. And another installment of Retro Hero Video. We hope you liked it. We hope you had some fun. And uh, next time we'll be back talking about a Fantastic Four cartoon. Yes. So that'll be interesting as we continue on our journey here to talk about shows that we have never seen before. Uh, If you did see more of Crypto, the Super Dog, and you know more about us, which chances are you probably do, tell us all about it. Was there a great episode we missed? Are we going to have to come back to this? Because I'm almost a little disappointed we didn't get Ace and we didn't get any of the other stuff. I'm surprised that, yeah, we didn't get Ace straight off the bat, because being a Batman character, I would have surely they would have, you know, put it in there. Shoehorned him in somewhere. Yeah. Does uh, does Wonder Woman's kangaroo Jumpa show up at some point? Because it really should. I mean, come on, you have a chance to put a kangaroo in a cartoon and you don't do it? Don't do it, yep. Yeah, you're you're missing out. So, all right, everyone, that'll just about do it for us. Matt and I will be back again next time. Thank you so much for watching. See ya. Bye-bye.